Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Welcome to the Where to Hunt podcast, the podcast that connects public land hunting enthusiasts. Today is October 3rd, 2017. I'm your host, Eric Clark, and this is episode number 46. Um, I'm not sure if I'm more excited about this episode or if my dad is. Uh, I got the opportunity to have a great guest on the show. He's been on other podcasts, and that's great, but uh, I couldn't be more proud to have someone on that I think is a personal legend which is Dan Infault. He's been around in the hunting industry, so to speak. I don't even like to use that kind of terminology, but um, you know, he's got the Hunting Beast forum that exists. He's got the YouTube channel, The Hunting Beast, and uh, we got some great, great tactics that we get into on this week's episode, and uh, just some really cool stories from Dan also, from someone that I think is a legend. He's been at it for so long. He's got such an old-school mentality of get it done, not giving an F, um, not into the, to wearing the, this brand or that brand or doing you know, the things that we see on TV. Um, he's just a real hardcore kind of dude. So I'm very excited to introduce this week's guest. Uh, additionally, I took a small, a small break, I guess, and, uh, I was really getting back into the swing of things. And, uh, you know, on, on, uh, well, three weeks ago today, actually, um, on, September 12th, I have a, uh, a baby girl that was born. So that took some getting used to before I can get back into the swing of things. But uh, I am quote unquote back, Weird Hunt's back, and there's going to be a guest every week. Um, and if there's not, I'll figure something else out. But I want to thank everybody for listening, staying tuned, and uh, continuing to support Where to Hunt. I will stop yammering and bring on the guest. It's a great episode. So you're going to enjoy this one. Thanks so much. All right, so I'm going to welcome the guest of the week to the show. Uh, this week we have with us uh, someone that I think is a legend in, in my world where I come from here in Wisconsin as a public land hunter. We got Dan Infault with us. Dan, how you doing? Hi, how are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. It sounds like you just got out of the woods. I did. <laughs> any any luck out there? Or just kind of enjoying yourself or what? Uh, I set up on a point. Uh, I had a doe and a fawn come by. I was... Uh, looking for a particular buck but uh he didn't show that's too bad you want some you lose some you got some really uh interesting tactics i was just talking to you before i hit the record button it's hard to even know where to begin because i feel like you're you're like a deer hunter encyclopedia you know incarnate so um (laughs) (laughs) i'm sure it's gonna be a great episode i'm pretty excited about it um tell the audience a little bit about yourself uh kind of when you got into hunting you know how long you've been doing it for and kind of what uh your name of the game is and and the hunting world, I guess. I'm 50 years old. I started hunting when I was a kid. So 
I don't really remember the start. I've always been into it. Um, I think I shot my first deer when I was nine years old, uh, and I've been killing them ever since. Uh, I've got a, a forum-based website called uh, The Hunting Beast, um, yep. where people talk uh, hardcore tactics, you know, a lot of public land guys on there. Um, I've also got a YouTube page where I got a lot of videos uh, of the hunts that I've done, and, and a lot of the bucks that I've killed are on video on the YouTube page. And uh, I think my uh, fame has come from uh, the videos I've made about how to hunt, um, not just public land, but everywhere, but mostly leaning towards public land sure. and uh, showing how to uh, hunt terrain, terrain-based uh, for whitetails. Well, it's interesting because that's one of the things I, I feel like I don't, I would say I struggle with it, but it's definitely a, a tricky thing to add value. And, uh, you know, I really want to add value to the listeners that I have. And, you know, it seems like you've really been doing that for a long, long time. You've just been trying to give people good tactics, honest tactics with no sort of, you know, you're not, you're not worried about people encroaching on what you do or giving away your trade secrets. You just it sounds like, I mean, I don't know if it is that you really want to help people, but you're, you really are helping them. I mean, you're giving out some some phenomenal, phenomenal hunting tactics. The ones that you can't get from, you know, the DVDs or the, the YouTube pages or whatever where people are just sitting in a stand wearing every freaking brand that they can put on themselves. And, uh, you know, that's just not how hunting is, at least not in my experience. First of all, I can't afford those damn brands. <laughs> and second of all, I don't see bucks like that just sitting there wearing that kind of crap. So, you know, you take yeah. a different approach from, from my understanding. Yeah, I really don't like the direction that hunting's going and, you know, where it's turning into, uh, you know, all about uh, the latest gadgets and products and stuff and deer farming and stuff. And it's getting away from the whole, uh, the basis of uh, the hard scouting, hard work and figuring deer out and getting more into buying your way into good deer. And uh, I'm hoping that that I portray the old image of... uh, you know, hunting hardcore and getting the job done and that you don't have to spend all your money to do it, you know? Yeah. I, I think you embody that pretty well. I got a, a cousin that's local and he seems to have that same style, same as my uncle, same as my dad. And, you know, I, I probably mix a little bit of each, but I, I you know, I always aspire to be hardcore in, in the sense that I just like adventure. I really like going off the unbeaten path just to see what's going to happen you know sometimes i'm less worried about getting a deer than i am just having a great story of you know falling on a river or something stupid like that you know because i try to do something that you know what the hell are you doing over there well i don't know it looked like a good place to try to go you know what else is over here um you know so maybe different until you gives you a good story that's that's how i look at it you know i'm always just trying to have a good time and enjoy myself some people take it's good to take hunting seriously there's nothing wrong with that at all um, but I really try to just kind of extract the experience from it more than anything else personally. But, um, you know, from some of the podcasts, the other ones that I've heard were that you've guessed it on or just watching some of the YouTube videos that you have or reading some articles you've posted. I mean, you're you're all over if you Google your, Google your name. And, you know, it seems like you just have a different mentality or perspective about how you actually go about hunting. So I kind of wanted to just, you know, kind of wind you up and let you go on on that kind of topic because your approach is so unique, you know, where everyone else zigs, you're kind of zagging. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of, uh, just, uh, looking at what everybody else is doing, looking at their failures and, and, uh, 
figuring out what, what they're missing, uh, basically. Um, you know, if you look at hunters, they all hunt the same. They all, I mean, it's like textbook, how people uh, all do the same stuff. They access woods the same and everything else. Yep. And I look for those little hidden spots that they're missing, you know. If you hunt like everybody else, you'll have the results of everybody else. And by and large, not everyone else is getting the deer that you seem to be getting. And not even to say that that's the name of the game because that's not the case for everybody, but that it, it, it sure speaks to the challenge that you're that you're chasing down, so to speak. I mean, at your level, I got to imagine it takes a lot to kind of tickle your fancy, you know. When you get a big buck, you've kind of earned it. It's almost like you're out there playing chess with these animals, you know. It is, you know, it's 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 uh, like a chess game. I think you know a hunter goes through stages, and you know when I was younger, it was more about making sure I killed a good buck every year, and and uh, now it's more about having fun. And I still manage to kill a good buck every year, um, but it's not really mandatory, you know. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm probably having more fun than I am killing big bucks, but. <laughs> You know, with as much knowledge that you have, because you've been doing it since you're nine years old, I, I got to imagine, I mean, the amount of effort that you're putting in over that compounded knowledge over the years, it's kind of second nature to how you're going about it. Um, you know, I, I think I actually pulled one quote from, uh, I don't know where the article came from. I don't know if it's one you wrote or someone said it about you, but you said something along the lines, if I hit fresh sign, I hunt it right then before the buck has a chance to come through and smell that I was there. And I, I actually have had that thought in my mind. Um, but sometimes I have a hard time recognizing, you know, if I'm onto something good or not. And, and really on public land, half the battle is getting away from the crowd. Right. You know, um, I'm looking at a piece of public property and I'm eliminating everything where people go. And in some cases I eliminated a whole property and say, I wouldn't hunt that. As a matter of fact, that's most of the cases. There's probably one out of 10 public properties around here I'd hunt. Sure. So I'm, um, where, uh, where I live at in southeastern Wisconsin, there's a very heavy hunting population. And it's hard for deer just to make it of age to grow the antlers you need to satisfy you. So what I'm really looking for here is wet stuff, you know, water, swamp, uh, marsh, stuff where you got to go through water to get to it. And uh, people out here will go through everything. But you run into two inches of water, even though they get rubber boots on, they won't go through it. And I really like to uh, hunt the stuff that's near roads and stuff, like between parking lots. Um, a lot of my biggest bucks have been right alongside the road, right alongside parking lots. Right under your nose, basically, huh? Yeah. And basically, you know, everybody goes to that parking lot, and they go out into the woods. Some go a little ways, some go a long ways, some go a little ways and then cut off. But nobody parks there and walks along the road and hunts in between the parking lots. <laughs> and if there's, you know, you still need good habitat. Sure. But if you've got that good habitat between those two parking lots, that can, that can be awesome. You know, one of the biggest bucks I ever shot with a bull um, was a huge nine-pointer head. Uh, one of the main beams was 31 inches, and the other was just under 31 inches. Just a massive buck. Um, I watched that thing from a public land parking lot from a window and kept waiting for the right wind because he was bending in a spot where the wind was blowing right in there. And when I finally got the wind, I went in there and hunted him. But I would sit there in that parking lot reading the paper while hunters are going out, acting like I'm just some Joe reading the paper while I'm watching, watching for this buck. 
<laughs> and uh, I ended up shooting that thing so close to the public land parking lot that you could throw a rock from where that deer was and hit one of the cars in the parking lot. Well, you got to think the logic on that is simply that if you're going to shoot an animal that big, you're not going to want to drag it too far. <laughs> like, let's just let's just cut to the chase here. No, that's that's pretty incredible. That's the stuff. That's the stuff that's just simply overlooked. I mean, is it that you're you're trying to get out to some high ground inside of that swamp that you got you got to trek through some, yeah, you got, some, they, they some shit to get water. there? I mean, you got to have yeah. they got to have some sort of ground. Yep. But what you want to find is stuff that's surrounded by water, it's swampy, um, nasty. People don't want to go in it, and. Uh, when you think about a deer, you know, um, a lot of times you give them more intelligence than they have, but what they really, their whole life revolves around their nose, not their eyes. And we think eyes set, you know, everything we think about is what we see. Yep. They can sense. see something and that don't bother them. But if they smell it, that's the problem. Like if you ever notice a deer will see you and they're and confused, they'll just kind of stare. Smell you. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Like if we heard them, we'd have to circle around to see them. That's the difference. You know, we, we, we think with our eyes, they think with their nose. So when a deer goes through a, a property, it's based on where it goes on, on scent, on, on what it smells, like coyotes and people, you know, the main predators it has. So it's going where predators don't bother it. Well, coyotes and people don't go through water. So they'll find little isolated patches of ground that are surrounded by water. Um, coyotes and people don't hang out next to the road. So they'll go hang out next to the road. So what I do is I look at the property and I go, where does nobody ever bother? And there ain't too much of anything that nobody ever goes into. I mean, shed hunters or, or whatever, or hikers or mushroom hunters or something, they'll get into stuff every now and then. But you're looking for the spot where they seldom go. Sure. The spot where the masses aren't going to be going. That path right. that's It doesn't necessarily down. have to be next to the road. It just has to be someplace that people overlook or... or just don't go to and if you go to the main woods that looks like deer should be there it looks like what you see on you know on the tv screen when you're watching deer hunting and there's big rubs all over the place i would run <laughs> <laughs> you'll see a tree and uh, stand in every tree around those rubs you know yep, yep. but uh the thing with sign is you know like uh 95 of the deer sign like rubs and scrapes are put down at night Right, so you're not going to see uh, that animal, think, especially once they start to catch catch wind or the scent. I mean, they're going nocturnal, right? It doesn't take long for them to do that, right, I well, imagine. Well, deer are automatically, you know, mature bucks are automatically fairly nocturnal in the fall. And it it has, it has doesn't have as much to do with pressure as what people think. It has more to do with timing. Because even on private ranches and stuff, those deer um, get nocturnal, even where they're not really being hunted that much. Yep. Uh, it's more with timing. But... In the fall, when they got hard antlers, I mean, they're only up a half hour, hour of daylight. And that's it for the for their whole time period. The rest is at night they're wandering around doing stuff. And during that one hour that they're up awake and moving around in daylight, they're not moving very far. So the majority of sign you find out in the woods is scattered all over the place, like rub lines and stuff is done at night. Hmm. And, you know, people sit on these rub lines hoping to get lucky, but they get their scent in there, and once they've hunted it once, the deer knows they've been there, they get even more nocturnal. So for me, that sign has to be coming out of something that looks like bedding, yep. or it has to be coming out of known bedding, or I don't, or I just eliminate it. You know, it's not, I, I care less. All it will tell, all the big rub tells me out in the woods is that a big buck was there. And that's but, okay, something, this but that's woods not, might that's be not worth everything. Yep. 
but I'm not looking here. So you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. The average guy is going to put a stand right over the top of that rub. Yeah. I'm going to say, okay, there's a rub here that tells me that this giant buck's around. Where is he? You know, so I'm going to look at maps and aerials and search for those little unknown spots that, where he could hide and live unmolested. So are you kind of, well, I guess I got two questions. Um, are you, you, I imagine you're to the point now where you can look at a, a property on, a, on you know, Google Earth, Google Maps, whatever, whatever it is, and you have a good idea of where those bucks ought to be bedding down. I ask because I'm trying to think about, you know, without getting into a bedding area with boots on the ground and getting it all stunk up with scent, um, I, are you looking at maps and trying to figure that stuff out and, and feeling confident that, yep, that's where, if I were that big guy, that's where I would be? Yeah, I get on, uh, on uh, aerials and topos and stuff, depending on what kind of terrain I'm looking at, and, and I study that. However, you still need to get boots on the ground. I mean, it's not always as perceived on a map, um, but it gives you a good general direction. I mean, I know which places I should look at by the map. Sure. But then you, you physically do have to go look at it. You can't just trust everything off the map. And that's where I find it because you're right. I mean, that's that's the thing that I struggle with is kind of like, you know, what the chicken or the egg, you know, what, what comes first here? I mean, I'm looking at maps all the time, but then by the time I get out there, obviously things are never as they seem or sometimes they're better than they seem or whatever that looks like. But, you know, um, that remark that I that I commented on where if you hit fresh sign, you're going to hunt it right then. You know, do you do you are you looking at a map going, OK, that's where I think the beds are. I'm going to confirm with boots on the ground or is it going the other way where you're at boots on the ground? You're going, OK, well, I'm not going to go any further because I think now that I know there's a big buck in the area. I want to go back and look at the map and then and then check based on where I've seen the sign. Or is it, I mean, it's just kind of maybe a little bit of both. It is a little bit of both. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit of, uh, you know, scouting uh, transitions. It's a little bit of studying maps. Uh, that hot sign thing you keep bringing up, what, what, what that really is, is that, you know, the way I hunt, um, when you go from point A to point B, most guys have a destination in mind. They're going from their truck, they're going to a certain stand, and that's where they're going to hunt. For me, I have like a 70, 75% idea of where I'm going. I have a plan to go out to this spot, but whether I make it there or not, it's a different story. <laughs> and I'll follow, I don't walk a straight line down the, the path where everybody else walks. A lot of the times, I'll take a, a route that follows a transition line. Yep. Uh, and in case um, your listeners don't know what a transition line is, that's edge um, where something meets another thing, like a hardwoods meets a uh, swamp. That's a good transition. It's not necessarily so cover, but transition, up. specifically transition, not like uh, a line of cover or something. Right, because uh, a lot of guys think like big bucks bed out in the middle of thick areas. They don't, and that, that's a common misconception. They usually bed on the edges. So they're on the edge of that thick cover, you know, not on the edge it. of the Yep, yep. they're not in the buckthorn, they're right. on the edge of it, sure. Right, they're not out in the middle of it. Yep. You know, if they're in the middle of it, they're on another edge, like an island edge or, you know what I'm saying, but they're, they're not just bedding out in the middle of buckthorn. Mm-hmm. It doesn't It doesn't play right with the way they play wind and stuff on their beds. And I can say that with confidence after studying their beds for 50 years. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, but, uh, that's, that's awesome. That's the kind of, that's the kind of stuff I'm... I'm after you with this, with this particular episode, just the stuff that people aren't thinking of the way that you are. So, so I'm following that transition line, and if I find hot sign like fresh rubs coming out of 
swamp where they bed. I mean, what are they going into that thick swamp for? I mean, to, to chew on thorny bushes? <laughs> so they're probably coming out of bedding there. So I'll set up on it. You know, if it's a good sign, it looks like a good buck's coming out there, I, I, I set up on it. But what I don't set up, and that's what I'm calling hot sign, mm-hmm. what I don't set up on is, is the middle of an open hardwoods when I find a rub line. Even if it's a big cluster of rubs and just scrapes all over, yeah, I'd probably all meet in there in the middle of the night and doing that, you know? Yep. How many times have you, uh, I don't know, I mean, so I'm just hung up on the swamp idea now, and I know you've done uh, different videos, I, I think, if, I, if I'm correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you did like, you've done like hill country and, and farm and, and thermos and wind and I mean you've covered so many so many really good dense topics so well but the swamp thing I find fascinating because you know I got a pair of waders and I'm like well any chance I can get those things on I'm I'm strapping up for adventure that's where my mind goes but you're saying you know a lot of guys even with rubber boots they're not going to trek into this stuff how how much preparation are you are you putting into getting through some of these thicker spots where there's water well, what do you mean by preparation like are you um Ever gonna? Are you ever getting into a situation where you're? I mean, I know you said some of the spots are like in between parking lots, but are you getting out a canoe? Are you putting on hip waders, uh, chest waders? Are you just wearing a? Pair, so I, you know, I jump in a canoe and I got a kayak that's got a rig on it for a stand and a, a bowl for some of those spots where you can't even get a canoe back in. Um, and I do hunt some of those areas. I do have spots where I got to cross a river. You know, uh, I seldom wear waders. I mean, I don't think I've worn, worn waders in forty years. Um, I usually just get wet, um, but, uh, canoes and kayaks I take out. So how does that play out? Like, uh, late season, if it's cold or out getting wet like that, is that, do you got like a backpack with extra gear that you can swap into or? No, usually I, uh, if it's like a swamp or marsh, I can find a way to get in there without getting too wet, Okay. you know, um, with rubber knee high boots. Um, there's been a couple of cases like, uh, there's one spot I used to hunt where I used to uh, go out there and you kind of laugh at this, but I used to take all my clothes off and hold them over my head, my bow and stuff, <laughs> walk through the river, go on the other side and redress because if the clothes stayed dry, I stayed dry. I only laugh because that's something that I guess, you know, as hunters, you know, whether you're, whether you're the guy that's getting at it or you're the guy that's just kind of whatever. But for me, I'm thinking if I get that excited about an animal, and I get to a point where I got to cross a fricking river. And that means it's the difference between me seeing and or having a shot at this thing or having an opportunity and or getting it. Yep. My clothes are coming. They're, they're coming off. I'm going to make it happen. I'm not going to be, there's no way that if I, if I know that that's what's happening, that I'm going to turn the other direction. I can't, I can't picture that world where that would be the case. So I'm laughing because I'm right there with you on that. And it's, and it is kind of funny to picture, right? Yeah. <laughs> As hunters, we do some pretty crazy shit. Well, you know, did you see that? Uh, did you see that video I got on YouTube that uh, chasing down a dream? You know what? I I I saw it because I was watching a bunch of other ones, and I didn't click on that one yet. But I've been I've been uh, you, going you need to nuts. watch that one. And that one, I'm hunting a conservancy that you okay. apply to hunt. Yep. And from where I parked my truck to where I was hunting was two miles back, and you got to cross a creek. The creek ain't real deep, but it's got spots that go up to, like, your waist. You know, it's more like it's got no bottom kind of thing. Yep. You know, um, 
but in that video, I stripped down to my underwear and dragged it through right on video. <laughs> and I got a lot of comments back from people like, why don't you just buy a pair of waders? Are you just trying to put this on for show? Well, I don't want to care, pair, carry a pair of waders. Waders are heavy. They're hot. They Two smell. back there. I, I just don't like them. I don't like all that extra weight. You know, uh, a lot of people laugh. But when I go hunting, I take a bow. And because I videotape, I have a, my video camera. Mm-hmm. I have a camera arm strapped to my stand and a release in my pocket and a string for my bow and some milkweed. And that's about all I take with me. You know, and a lot of these guys have backpacks with more stuff in it than I take on a three day camping trip. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's really, I mean, you, you mentioned in the beginning, like, you know, I'm trying to really portray this, this old school kind of mentality, this hardcore hunter and you're doing it. I mean, effortlessly. I mean, you're just being who you are and, and it's just, you just are kind of embodying and representing that that mentality that I think the hunting industry needs right now. We got to get people. Yeah, I think it's kind of lost. I, I mean, I grew yeah. up in an era where everybody that hunted hard was like that. Yeah. People were poor; they didn't have money for extra stuff, and we just, you know, we had to scramble around with what we had to hunt with. And I learned to live like that, you know, and and I I still do. It's funny. I um, I don't know, just because we're talking about, it, but. I hunted with the, the bow my dad handed down to me all the way up until last year. I finally caved and got something different. It wasn't new. I got it used. But uh, it was a Dart and Viper dual cam. He's killed plenty of deer with it. And uh, that's what I've been hunting with for like the last, I don't know, nine years, I guess, for bow. And uh, I up until like maybe three years ago, I had the same camouflage, old school camouflage giant onesie, you know, that I that I wore. Yeah. And that was it. I didn't, I didn't have anything in there. And I've kind of dipped a toe on this other side of it. I'm going, what the hell am I doing? You know, cause half that shit, I don't, either don't know how to use, can't afford, or it's not, it's not worth it. It's just not, you know, looking back right. in the river, that's just not what's necessary to make it happen. Now getting down in your underwear across the river, that's what, that's what it takes. You know, <laughs> it's not the gear, it's the lack thereof. <laughs> right. Right. No, but I asked that question just because, you know, I don't know. That's the kind of stuff I think about, you know, what do I need to, to, I think that if I, if I, I'm clumsy, so I'm the guy that does fall. I fall down a lot. Um, just because I'll step on something slippery, I'll trip, I'll get my, you know, my foot stuck in a mud suction pit or something like that. And I'll go down. And if it's cold out, then to me, that's going to ruin my hunt because now I'm freaking cold and wet and it could be a problem. There's been plenty of times when I sat shivering in a tree. So yeah. I got a buddy that we did cut through some marsh incidentally, not on purpose. We weren't smart enough back then. And his boots froze to the the stump he was sitting on. <laughs> he just wore his combat. He was in the he was in the Marine Corps. He wore his uh, his desert camis or whatever, like the combat boots. They had, like the little screen drain on it for like you know it's supposed to make your feet breathe or whatever. But it got all sorts of water in there, and then they got frozen to the freaking stump. That's pretty great. That was a pretty cold sit. I remember that. You got a favorite story other than that that one that was in between the parking lots, or a favorite memory, or like you know. Man, even if it's not about the deer itself, anything like that. Oh, tough question, right? I would say I would say uh, uh, the story of my biggest buck is probably a good one. Uh, I was hunting a very large non-typical, um, and he was bedding in the same spot all the time. And if you'd sit back, you could see him in the spot because it was in a. Um, cattle pasture that hadn't been used in about 10 years so it's high grass and brush 
but you could see into it in spots and there's a willow tree that was laying over and it formed like a uh, like a little bridge the the uh, tree itself the base of it before it went back up like it had fallen once or something and then started growing again mm-hmm. and underneath the bottom of that little bridge thing is where he would lay and uh, he would never get far enough in daylight and I'd sit back and I'd observe him from a distance and I'd try to find some flaw but it's like open grass and to get close enough was tough and every time it was a west wind I'd, I'd see him there and he was there for two years and after the first year I went in there in the winter time and I found one of his sheds laying right in the bed and uh, I knew he always he was never there when it was a different wind it had to have west in it you know southwest west northwest but anything that had any east to it or straight south or straight north he was never there so um on thanksgiving day we had uh, a west wind in the morning and we were having a big thanksgiving party my whole family was coming over and stuff and uh midday that wind changed to east and i'm thinking man he couldn't even get out of there you, you know how could he even leave because it's just wide open grass i don't think he'd get up in the middle of the day so you're thinking, so, in the back of your mind, everyone's chowing down turkey, and you're thinking, I got, I got yeah, to go out there. Yeah, I so I, there. I go, exactly. So I said, I, hey, I got to go out and uh, give this a shot. And uh, you imagine my old lady's mad at me. Are you freaking my kidding dad me? and everybody else. No, I'm and, not uh, you. This is it. <laughs> so uh, I just do it. You know, I grab my shotgun, and I go. And uh, it was gun season, because Thanksgiving week is gun yep. season. Oh, yeah. And it used to be shotgun back in those days. And I took that shotgun and I bungeed it to my, my back and I put some cat of this little patch of cattails that was in front of that bed in line with me. And I crawled one step at a time because now I had to win in my favor right to that patch of cattails. And that patch of cattails went like 15 yards from that bed. Mm-hmm. And it was cold out and there was a thin layer of ice in the water and I had to just break every little piece of ice as I went and I'm getting soaked as I go. Is it making that cr- like a crunch every time too then? Well, a little, but I not couldn't much. break it real soft. It took me a while. And I crawled all the way up to that bush and believing that I, I believe that deer's there, you know. And I unbungeed that, that gun off my back and I, I'm sitting there trying not to get up high enough where you can see me. And I get to my knees and I just pop up. And here that thing is, 15 yards from me, laying in that bed looking at me with the most surprised look a deer could ever make staring at me and I shot it right in its bed and I was thinking I could have did that with my freaking bow wow but I never had the balls to do it you know yep because to get that close to the shotgun I mean it's the same thing but yep I shot him right in his bed when he was laying there looking at me wow and that's the biggest buck score wise I ever shot he's in the you know mid 180s what year was that Oh, geez, I think that was in the early 90s. I think it was like 91 or somewhere in there. Your wife still uh, hold that one over your head or what? Yeah, there was a, like three Thanksgivings in a row that I ruined. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. When I was younger, I was really hardcore and hunting was everything. And, uh, you know, I would if I could go back, I'd probably change a little of that because those deer aren't that important. You know, that I uh, I missed birthdays and halloweens with the kids and stuff because it was everything revolved around hunting but i still i wouldn't take that back because 
it made me who I am now. Absolutely. You know? And and when it's in your it, blood it, like it that, created, it's just... it created me. And, you know, I'm not that kind of person now where I put hunting in front of my family or anything else or my friendships. Yep. But, but I can look back on that and I have a reflection to that. And I can, I can uh, guide others in the right direction because of what that taught me. Yep. You know? Yeah. Now that I got a kid of my own, she'll end up liking hunting, but, uh, you know, we'll see. She's born right, right uh, before the, the, well, actually, the 12th. So, Bo opened up here in Wisconsin, was it the 16th? I think it was September, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was hot, real hot. I, I don't know. How do you, how did you feel about that? I mean, what was it, like 80 something? Well, I didn't mind it at all. I was wearing a t shirt and blue jeans. Just out there doing it anyways. I always get concerned about the meat. You know, I just wonder, like, man, if it's that damn hot, you got flies and maggots. Well, it was that hot, so I didn't, you know, I really wanted to take a dough early. Yeah. But in that heat, I wouldn't. So then it was buck or nothing. But even so, I mean, the buck ain't going to rot on me. I'm just going to take care of it immediately. Yep. That's good. Uh, you, know, you, you know, so you just get right on it. But uh, the only bucks that went by me were small. But the movement, the first week of season, was phenomenal. And in my opinion, that that early September time frame that mm-hmm. we opened in Wisconsin, mm-hmm. that first week or so in Wisconsin is the best time frame to shoot a truly mature buck. That's way better than rut, if you ask me. Now, tell me why you think that, because I wonder, I think the same thing, but I wonder why you think, and I want to, I'm curious to see why you think that. Well, they're still in their summer patterns, and they're moving real good in daylight. Yep. But those mature bucks, when they get nocturnal, they're even nocturnal during the rut. Most of what people are seeing during the rut are, are two and three year olds. Sure. And every now and then a big one makes a mistake or it moves a little further and gets shot during rut. But they're really not running around chasing those rampantly everywhere. Mm-hmm. If they were, they'd get killed. There's no way a big buck could run around all day long chasing those and not get killed. He'd get killed one day. Yeah, because he's such a big that. target. You walk around any public property during the rut. You run into a guy every 15 minutes. <laughs> There's guys everywhere. That buck's not getting through. Yeah. You know, you're damn right about that. Well, I always kind of thought, like, you know, that that opening day, that opening week, whatever it is, it's like an opportunity where it's it's a clean slate. It's fresh. You know, people haven't been out there short of scouting, you know, but maybe not in the, that early of the season. It's just uh, I like the opportunity that exists, especially when you talk about the patterns of those deer. They haven't, they haven't changed up their patterns yet from summer. So yeah, I'll give you an example. Um, opening, uh, not opening weekend, but the next weekend. Sure. Uh, we had this one spot we were waiting to hunt, me and my hunting buddy, Mario. And we were pretty sure that there'd be a big buck there right away at the start of the season because there's been a pattern with this particular point, having a big buck there every year opening, betting there. So... Uh, I told him, you go ahead and go in and give it a shot. He went in there, and uh, he had a 170-inch 10-pointer come in an hour before dark. But it got downwind of him and spooked. Hmm. Um, I was trying to figure out exactly where that thing was bedding, and I went into the bedding area on a windy day with an east wind where I could get in there this last weekend and just did an observation. And that thing got out of its bed um, probably 10 minutes to closing, and it moved about five yards. That's the difference between October and early September. What the <laughs> so, heck? So that's, that's the difference. He's and literally that's getting up to take a stretch. I mean, what, I mean, what else? 
Yeah, I mean, usually they get further than that. Yeah. But the point is, is that you really got to get in a tight window of movement once it gets to around October. Mm-hmm. That, that you know, this first week or into the second week of uh, September is just awesome for those big bucks, bucks actually moving to a food source or something. It's still in a huge movement. Mm-hmm. But like, say, you get in an uh, oaks uh, 100 yards from the bedding. They'll make it to those oaks, you know, to eat the acorns in yep. daylight. Yep. Where in October, they're not making it that far. You've got to cut that, you know, in half. you got to get really close to their bedding. And that's the difference. That's why that early September time frame is so good. I mean, just think about it during the summer. All the way up until hunting season in Wisconsin, which is that early September, right? You just seen them out in bean fields in the evening in daylight, big mature bucks. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yep. Are you seeing them out walking around like that in October? I've seen a damn thing, and I got bean fields right by my house <laughs> right. that I that I freaking right. glass and drive. I will I will make a point to drive out of my way to go that route, which is nothing to do with where I'm going. But I will. Go, my wife's like, "Why are you going this way?" I'm like, "Because well, I want to see the deer." And you know, there's nothing. I tell you what, if they opened up deer season September 1st, would you see some monsters get shot? Well, I bet. I bet. Yeah. It's exciting stuff. Um, you know, I, I appreciate taking time out of the woods to, I know you're done for the day anyways, but that's just how I always say it, to, to be on the show. It means a lot. Um, I think the advice and knowledge you shared and the stories are awesome. I appreciate it a ton. Um, you know, what is that? I mean, you already said you're, you're the hunting beast. Uh, is it, is it just the hunting com where people can go find your, your stuff and your information or you got more, it's more going on that? thehuntingbeast.com right. my YouTube videos are pretty cool if anybody wanted to just look at some good hunting videos for free and that uh, that channel is the hunting beast uh, that's extreme white tail tactics ex- it's actually extreme white tail tactics yeah okay. but you can search the hunting beast too it'll come right up Rock on. good deal or yeah. just search my name all of it comes up and you keep that you keep that up to date pretty pretty regularly right yeah mm-hmm. oh yeah that's pretty cool. I got That's a good awesome. story for you. Yeah, I, I got a good story it. for you. So I shot a doe on uh, what was it uh, Friday, um, and uh, it's just a good story. <laughs> so, so I'm going out uh, hunting, and I'm going to hunt on this swamp island, and it's a spot where I've killed a lot of big bucks. Actually, like seven or eight of them right in this exact area. As a matter of fact, my the 12 pointer I shot last year was right there. It's real close to the parking lot, and there's. There's an older fellow that lives next to the parking lot who's always asking me for advice, asking me where to hunt and stuff. And I'm a little careful about it because he talks a lot. <laughs> so, but, I, you know, I was thinking about it, and I thought, well, you know, he's, he's saying, hey, I haven't seen nothing all year, and you're seeing deer. He, you know, I got a journal on my site, and he reads it. So he sees I've been uh, seeing deer every time. He goes, I just shoot anything. And I said, so I'll tell you what. I said, I know this spot that's got a lot of deer in it. And I tell him how to get there and where to go. And he goes out there to go hunting, and I go out to this island. So I'm parked right across the street from his house. <laughs> so I get in this island, and I know more than getting a tree, and he's texting me, he shot one already. Oh, man. So he shot a doe, and he's all excited about it. And I said, well, I'll, I'll meet you at my truck after, after I'm done hunting. So I'm sitting there, and about an hour goes by, and... A doe starts coming out, and I, you know, it's starting to get dusky. It's right around, you know, it's getting close to closing time. It's coming out, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this, because there's no buck sign back here. Um, when I went in there, and 
and uh, I just decided if a doe came in, I'd shoot it, if there's nothing else coming. Yep. So it comes out, and I'm getting ready to shoot it, and I hear, Dan! <laughs> like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. And you can, it's funny because you can clearly hear it on the video. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, really? You know, and I hear, Dan! And I'm like, oh, man, you got to be Breaking kidding me. So I'm trying to get this deer shot before it gets spooked because it keeps looking back at, you know, this, Dan! (laughs) So I shoot it, and it it runs towards me. And when I shot, I heard a loud slap noise, and I thought, oh, I might have guts. You know how that makes that pop noise when you hit guts? Yeah. And it runs past me and stops at the edge of the swamp where I came in and then runs into the swamp. And he gets silent, and I'm like, I don't know if he's laying in there or not, but that's my entrance. So I get down, I go over, and I look for blood, and now it's getting a little dusky, so i got to turn the flashlight on and look, and there's blood spray everywhere where I hit it. So I'm like, okay, this is good. But i got to go out of here different. I can't go out that way or I'll kick it. So I jump into the swamp. It is deep, nasty crap oh, up gosh. to my waist, you know. So I'm going through this stuff, and that guy's getting closer. Dan! <laughs> Daddy! And I see a light flash, and, you know, I'm like, really? So I start heading over there, and I come out, and I, and I walk up to him, and I light off, and I'm like, what do you want? And here, I don't even know who this guy is. The guy goes, what are you doing back there? <laughs> and I'm covered in goo, and I says, I'm deer hunting. What are you doing? He goes, I'm, he goes, I'm walking my dog, Danny. <laughs> Shut up. I'm not kidding you. Honest to God, he's walking his dog named Dan. Holy shit. Yelling Dan. <laughs> this whole time, you're like, what is with this guy? I, I says to him, what are you doing out in the <laughs> in the middle of the woods? And he's going, what the hell are you doing in the middle of the swamp? I'm walking my At dog. At night, walking a dog, and he's going out further. It's now he's going towards the parking lot. He goes, well, I walk him at night, because otherwise the hunters are all bothered. <laughs> By noon. <laughs> so it gets even better. Because we go over and uh, I, I finally meet up with Greg, and we go over to look for his deer. And I find back hair on top of some leaves, no blood, and you see where the arrow ricocheted off of some branches before it hit it. Ah, crap. And I'm pretty sure it just hit the back straps, but it looks everything. And we tracked and tracked, and I couldn't pick up blood for 100 yards, and we were out there for a few hours. So we went and got my deer out, and then he said he was going to go back in the morning with his dog. So, in the morning, he calls me up. And now, bear with me. This is good. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. He calls me up, and he says, hey, I got about 100 yards from here, and I picked up blood. He goes, just like big, dark, dried blood drops in the leaves. I said, well, how good is the trail? He goes, it ain't bad. He goes, every couple of feet, there's a blood drip. And now, this is a guy who's only shot one deer before, one or two, you know. Yeah. So he's excited, you know. So he's like, well, I'm going to follow it this way. And I says, well, the way you're going, there's a hill over there they always bet on. I said, if it goes towards the hill and you lose it, check on that hill. He says, okay. So he calls me back about an hour later, and he says, it went up on a hill. And he looked all over the place. Couldn't pick up a bed or the deer or anything. But now he found blood, and he says, it's red and runny and looks fresh. What do I make of that? I says, well, you probably kicked it out of its bed. I says, just keep following it. I go, it's probably still alive, but stay with it till you lose it. So 
a couple hours goes by, and he calls me, and he says, I've been following it, and it went into this little thicket. He says, but you ain't going to believe this. It's going around in circles around me. He says, there's blood on every single trail in here. And I know the thicket he's talking about. It's only like an acre in size. Sure. I says, there's no way that deer's still in here if you're wandering around in here. I says, uh, walk the perimeter till you find the blood going out. So he calls me back in an hour and says, I found it. He said, but it went across this wood lot and it entered a cornfield. He goes, I can't find it in the cornfield because of the dirt. The dirt sucked up the blood. I said, well, go over to the other side of the cornfield and look along the edges and see what you find. And then I offered, I said, do you want me to come out there? And he says, no, no, I got this. I got this. I said, okay. Because <laughs> you got to remember, this is an old guy and he's disabled. He has a hard time. Getting... He's been out there all day now, you know. Wow. So then he calls me and he says, you ain't going to believe this, but this deer is going in little tiny circles, like 12-foot circles and loops. I go, are you kidding me? I've never seen a deer do that. He goes, I haven't either. He goes, but it's going in loops. So, so then I'm going out to go hunting for the evening. So he's been out there all day, right? He calls me back and he says, I got to figure it out. And I says, what'd you figure out? He says, well, my dog cut his foot and I've been tracking the dog. Oh, <laughs> oh God, that poor guy. Oh my I almost goodness. crashed my truck. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> Run twelve foot loops. Tell you what, if that dog lost that much blood, he better take it to the vet. Holy <laughs> crap! I can't imagine. I've had some weird instances of tracking deer where we've like you know tracked someone else's and you know whatever, just weird stuff like that. But I haven't had anything that goofy with a dog. <laughs> foot. And then the night, whatever it was, it's the night before, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's ne- never normal with me. There's always something weird happening. I love it. I'll be sharing your YouTube page. We got we got a decent cool. following. We'll, we'll share that stuff out there. Make sure people are checking in on it. You got a good following too, though. But you know, there's always people that don't know about stuff. It's it's that's a great thing about you know, the, the day and age that we live in. So cool. Well, cool. Thanks so much. Um, good luck this season. I'll I'll keep an eye on your stuff, and I can't wait till you get something because it's only a matter of time. It's not when. It's if or not if. It's not <laughs> if. It's when. Said that backwards. There's only there's only one year since. Uh... I think it was uh, since 1989. There's only one year in between there that I didn't get a big buck. I'm excited, man. I'm excited for you. And I'm excited to take yeah, some of the tactics you have. I'm on you. <laughs> good. Good. Well, we're not too far. I'm actually in, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but I'm, I'm in like the, I don't know, Lake Country area. I'll say that. I don't want to give people my hometown. Yeah, you're in the same same area as me. Not far. I don't have all this stuff around here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was just out in Ottawa last week and on a conservancy plot of land that we got drawn for. So that's exciting. Nice, nice weekend to be out. Yeah. Well, cool. Have a great night and uh, good luck this season, Dan. I appreciate it. All right, cool. Thanks. Yep, bye. Looking for a spot to hunt? Download the free Where to Hunt app for your smartphone today. Avoid hunters, see less people, see more deer. With the Where to Hunt app, you will know where other hunters are before you see them. Just search Where to Hunt from the App Store to download. All right, so that was, well, I think it was a really awesome episode. I think there were some nuggets of information in there that uh, can be used over and over again. This episode is going to be replayed by me a lot. I definitely go back to this one quite often, I think. In any event, um, the tip of the week this week, you know, my tip's 
of the week, my tip of the week, tips of the week, <laughs> are always, uh, I don't know, I think they're kind of cheesy, but for whatever it's worth, I think this week the tip is change your perspective. And uh, Dan didn't say this on the interview, but this is something that he had written in an article he wrote, and it was, uh, quote, I would rather be hunting for deer than hunting for a straight limbless tree, end quote. And he was referencing the type of, the type of tree stand that he uses, um, which is one that's got, you know, some DIY silence stuff on there, but it's a, a hang-on stand with, with climber sticks, and that's the kind of stand I use and that my dad uses. Um, I haven't hunted a stand in a little while, mainly because I'm too cheap to go buy a new harness system, so I'd rather be safe than falling out of a tree. So in any event, um, really, he's going after mobility here, and he said, you know, a lot of these guys that hunt with climbers, you get a lot of that mobility, but then you're stuck to a tree that is straight and limbless. And uh, based on what Dan had said in this particular episode is that uh, a lot of these deer like to like to bed down on edges or transitions, I should say. So, you know, you're not always going to find that perfect tree on a transition or near a transition where you want to be. So the, the kind of circle back around my point is change your perspective. You know, quit looking for the perfect tree or the perfect spot. Look for the deer are. And, uh, you know, I could take a lot of advice out of this episode for myself. And that's exactly what I intend on doing, which is interesting because, you know, this is a 46 podcast that I've had for where to hunt now. And, uh, you know, I've taken little nuggets of each episode I've ever done with the different people that I've talked to because I look to them as, you know, maybe not the expert per se, but collectively there's a lot of great voices that come on this show. And there's a lot of good information that comes from this stuff, whether it's Usually it's more tactic-based driven, but there have been a couple that have been product-based, and you start to mix that all together over the course of 46 episodes, and there's just some great, great information jam-packed into this. So most of the tips that I give come from that kind of thought process, and uh, you know, as I go out hunting probably this coming weekend, when I get the opportunity, um, I'll be taking that tip into the woods with me, which is simply changing my perspective, thinking about, well, where are the other hunters going to go? What looks easy and normal? Um, you know, I already have this kind of sense of adventure that I like to call it that gets me off the beaten path personally. But, um, you know, again, I'll be listening to this episode again so I can actually hear it as opposed to trying to, you know, be part of the conversation and really kind of take it in. That all said, um, thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting. Again, I can never say that enough. If you haven't downloaded the Where to Hunt app, it is in full swing. We're getting about 800 downloads per week right now. There's a lot of users out there. And the more people that are using it, the more effective it's actually becoming. So I thank everybody for trying it out and checking it out. It means a lot to me. And, uh, you know, thanks for tuning in. Have a great great week, great day, great morning, great night, great treadmill, great car car ride, whatever it is you're doing when you're listening to this. Um, And have a great hunt, hunt safe and hunt public. 